Welcome to another dynamic word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Today we're going to be going to the book of Genesis in chapter 18 specifically. And today our sermon title is Dust and Ashes. Dust and Ashes. Let me set us up for Genesis 18, if I might. And today I'll give you the punchline. The punchline that we're going to finally get to is I'm going to encourage us to get to the place today where we will realize that God is trying to get you to pray about something that he already wants to do. Now, I don't know why God has set up this world like he has. But there is something that is powerful about asking God. There's something powerful about just like, like Zach was saying, you know, uh, uh, we, we were talking about a, a person coming to the place where they'll just put their pride down for a moment and ask for help or ask God for something, you know, uh, because, you know, um, prayer is powerful. I don't know why, but I know it's so powerful that when Jesus was in his greatest moment of need, if you know the story, he was about to be arrested. And he was in a garden called the Garden of Gethsemane that is on the side of the Mount of Olives beside the Kidron Valley. And Jesus, whenever he was in his moment of need, what did he turn to? Two things. First, he turned to prayer. I mean, Jesus, the Son of God, why would he need to pray? He can walk on water. He can, he can you know, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils. I mean, why would Jesus need to pray? Evidently, there is something very powerful and something very needed in just talking to God. He felt alone. He felt lonely. He, he, he imagined no one else understood what he was going through. So number one, he turned to prayer. Number two, he turned to his friends and he asked his friends, pray for me. Wow. Pray for me? Pray for Jesus? Pray for the Son of God? Pray for the Savior of the world? What is going on here? Well, evidently, there is something very powerful in prayer. Not only whenever we pray for ourselves, but also when we pray for our friends. And we pick up in Genesis 18 with Abraham interceding for a family member. Abraham was 99 years old at this point. He was sitting out in the doorway of his tent, the Bible says, to shade himself from the sun. It evidently was very hot. The Bible says it was the hottest part of the day. So it must have been somewhere, you know, probably early afternoon, you know, maybe, maybe uh, one or two o'clock there in that place. The place is Hebron, just south of Jerusalem. 
And uh, he's sitting in the, in the door of his tent and he's looking out across the fields. And there he sees what appears to be three men walking. And so he gets up from his door of his tent and he goes out and meets these three men as he is thinking. But they are actually, later he finds out, they turn out to be two angels and what we understand to be the angel of the Lord, which the angel of the Lord, most scholars imagine that to have been Jesus. Okay, pre-incarnate Jesus. And here, these three, he says to them, listen, why don't you, why don't you turn aside? And why don't you come on in to, to my uh, uh, tent and I'll give you some refreshments and you can rest yourself before you go on your way. And so they do. You know, God had a plan. He always has a plan. You know, sometimes when we don't recognize what he's doing and we don't even recognize, you know, uh, that he sent someone uh, by our home or, or, or to our workplace, sometimes we don't recognize they're from him as Abraham initially did not recognize that. And so they eat and they are refreshed and then they get up and they say, we're going to move along our way. So Abraham starts to walk with them a little ways. And, and uh, as they get a little farther from him, the Bible says the Lord turns to the other two that are with him. Uh, you can read the whole story, Genesis 18 and Genesis 19. It reads so much better than I can tell it. But he turns to these other two and he says, listen. I don't want to hide from Abraham that which I am about to do. Seeing that Abraham is blessed and seeing that Abraham is going to become a mighty man of faith and he is going to be the father of many nations. I know Abraham. Abraham is going to raise his children to fear the Lord and to serve the Lord. And so the other two walk on and the Lord turns and says to Abraham, you know, we're going down to the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, these two cities in that uh, a valley, that Jordan River Valley at the end of what is now the Dead Sea. We're going down to the city of Sodom and Gomorrah uh, to see if, it is as wicked and as evil as it appears to be. And if so, we're going to destroy that city and all the inhabitants. And so Abraham gets quite concerned. And so Abraham begins to talk to the Lord here. And uh, let's pick up. In Genesis 18, in verse 33, because when the Lord informed Abraham of his intent, Abraham begins to question the Lord, but also in a way that is really prayerful. He just begins to talk to the Lord. And uh, verse 23 says, reading from the New King James Version, and Abraham came near and said, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you, verse 25 says, far be it from you to do such a thing as this. 
to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And so the Lord said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Verse 27, Then Abraham answered and said, Indeed now, I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were five less than the 50 righteous. Would you destroy all the city for the lack of five? And so he, the Lord, said, if I find there 45, I will not destroy it. And then in verse 29, he spoke to him yet again and said, suppose there are 40 there. And he said, I will not do it for the sake of 40. Then he said in verse 30, uh, Lord, uh, you know, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak. Suppose 30 be found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find 30. Then he said in verse 31, indeed, now I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were 20 be found there. So he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 20. Then verse 32, the last verse we'll read in this. He said, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak but once more. Suppose 10 be found there. And the Lord said back, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. Now, as I said, I want you to Please go back and read this whole account in Genesis 18 and 19. But uh, because, as Abraham said, because we are but dust and ashes, I want to, for the sake of time, cut to the chase. And that's what Abraham did. He was cutting to the chase. You know, uh, I realized that we don't have a lot of time. We are but dust and ashes. And we don't have all the time in the world. And so here Abraham is saying, God, you know, be it far from you to destroy the righteous with the wicked. If there is 50, would you spare? Yes. How about for 45? Okay. How about for 40? Okay. How about for 30? Okay. How about for 20? Okay. You know, <laughs> the only one getting tired here is Abraham. God's not getting tired of this. The only one getting tired is Abraham. And so Abraham says, okay, I'm only going to do this one more time. Bad move. Because I believe Abraham could have got him all the way down, you know, to nothing. Why? Because I think that's where God wanted to go to begin with. Because I believe that God was only involving Abraham because he is a God of mercy. Because he is a God of forgiveness. Because he's a God of hope. Because he's a God who wants us to, to involve ourselves so that others aren't destroyed. These two angels, they went on ahead, entered the city of Sodom about sundown, the Bible says. And, and as fortune would have it, uh, who they meet first was Abraham's nephew, Lot, who lived in Sodom. 
And Lot saw them in the, in, in, in the city gates, and he said to them, Listen, why don't you come into my house? And after some conversation, the men decided to go and spend the night in Lot's house. Uh, through a series of events which you can read, we won't get into today because they're not the point of, of, of our, of our uh, um, conversation today. But through a series of events, the angels found out that the city of Sodom was more wicked than even they had imagined. And they witnessed just how evil and how wicked the city of Sodom had become. And, and, and uh, you know, uh, if they had not stepped in and blinded the men of Sodom, then uh, we, we don't know exactly what would have happened. And the end of the story for our purposes today concludes with the angels finding one righteous man in the city of Sodom. They were looking, you know, uh, to see what they would find, but there were not 10 righteous in the city. There was only one. And so the angels who looked like men, they were determined to save this one righteous man because it would not be a just thing and should not the judge of all the earth do right you see the righteous and the wicked are not the same in God's eyes and it would not have been just as Abraham said to the Lord to destroy the righteous with the wicked. And so the angels were set and determined. They were not going to see this righteous man be destroyed with the wicked. Though they were determined to destroy the city, they were determined to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and the other cities surrounding, but they were not going to allow even this one righteous man to be destroyed with the wicked. Lot was given an opportunity by the, the angels. Not only did they decide they were going to save Lot, but they said to Lot, listen, we're going to give you time, I'm paraphrasing. We're going to give you time and we're going to give you opportunity to go and tell others so that others might also be saved from this wicked city. We're going to give you the time that it takes and we're going to give you an opportunity. Go out and tell your family and, and go out. Do you have anyone else in the city? And so Lot took that time. His daughters uh, who were in his house, still living in his house, they evidently were engaged to be married to two men who lived in the city. And so Lot took this time and took this opportunity uh, to, to care about those that his family cared about, to care about those who were not his family, to care about those who perhaps were friends and acquaintances and so he went out and he began to share with them come with me he began to share with them that God is going to destroy this city the Lord is going to destroy the wickedness and the evilness of Sodom and Gomorrah why don't you come with me come
come with me and let's go with the Lord. Let's go with him so that we will not be destroyed. And the Bible says that these young men thought that he was making fun of them. These young men thought that he was joking. These young men thought that he was nutty. They thought that he was crazy. Now I'm hoping by now you are beginning to make some overlays. As we do with all of the word of God. All the stories in the word of God are designed and written to impact our lives. They are, they are the foundation upon which we overlay our lives, our situations. Well, as you know here in verse uh, 16 of chapter 19, if you've read it, you know, Lot, uh, you know, he took the opportunity, he invited friends, family, you know, to be saved with him. Lot warned them. Uh, and the next morning came and Lot was lingering. What was he lingering for? What was he waiting on, do you think? I think he was waiting and hoping that others that he had shared with all through the night would come to his home and they could go together. I was thinking, you know, he, he was lingering. But you know, there comes a time whenever lingering, you, you, you no longer have the luxury to linger. And so uh, Genesis 19 verse 16 says, And while Lot lingered, the men took hold of his hand and took hold of his wife's hand and, and took his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him. And brought him out of the city. I mean, they literally pulled him out of the city. They took them out of the city and set them outside of the city. And they told Lot, they said, take your family to this certain place. And so, you know, uh, verse 22 of chapter 19. They told him, hurry, escape there. For I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Whoo! I'm getting a really good picture here. You know, uh, I, I, I don't know if you're getting a really good picture, but I'm getting a really good picture here of, of God doing the same thing with even one righteous person. Them and their family delivered from the city Delivered from a place that's about to be destroyed before it's destroyed. I can't destroy it if you're still in it. I can't judge it if you're still there. Verse 24 of chapter 19. After Lot and his family got safe to the city, then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah uh, from the Lord out of the heavens. So he overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. Wow. What was so special about Abraham that Abraham could barter with God? How could Abraham, you know, barter with God? 50, you know, 45, 40, 30, 20, 10, you know. What was so special? Well, Abraham had a covenant with God. God says, I know Abraham. I know him. I know him. That's what made Abraham special is that God knew Abraham. Abraham knew God. God knew Abraham. They had a relationship. It was a covenant. Uh, you know, and covenant is powerful. And this covenant gave Abraham audience with God. It gave Abraham the, the, the respect. Uh, you know, and that's what the Lord gave Abraham. Shall I hide from Abraham that, that I'm going to do? 
you know. And then he also respected Abraham, uh, you know, uh, because he met Lot in, in the city of Sodom. And there he gave Lot an opportunity to invite whosoever will to come and go. You know, uh, most likely uh, he didn't realize he was giving us a picture of, of, of our future. Like every Bible account, this account is a picture of a future spiritual event. This account of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, along with the account of Noah, who was a preacher of righteousness. All Noah did for 120 years is just encourage people, get right with God. I'm building a boat. You can come get on it if you like. Get right with God and you can get on the boat. I was driving from here to Abilene about uh, oh, 10 days ago, going up to see my son. And uh, I topped a hill somewhere, I don't know, up there, uh, not too far out of Brownwood probably. And I saw somebody made a sign. It was a big old sign. It was probably about this big. And it looked like it was written on there with magic marker. You know, it was just written. <laughs> it said, uh, at the bottom of it, it had 2 Timothy 4, 17. But what the message said is, uh, fight like you're the third monkey on the ramp. <laughs> Isn't that funny? On Noah's Ark. Fight like you're the third monkey on the ramp leading into Noah's Ark. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Of course, it would have been the seventh monkey because he took, you know, anyway. Besides the doctrinal problems it gave me for about 20 miles. You know, 417 says, fight the good fight of faith. You know, fight the good fight of faith. Fight like you're the third monkey on the ramp. I, I thought that was funny. I, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, here Lot was given something very precious. It was an opportunity. Because he was a righteous man, the Bible says. The New Testament says Lot was a righteous man. He was living in the midst of so much wickedness that it really was, you know, vexing his soul, the Bible says. It was, you know, pressuring him. It was, you know. So here is a picture that Lot is giving us, a picture that Noah gave us, a picture of us. Let's overlay our life on this for just a moment. Okay? Here is a picture of what I believe is the rapture of the church. But also I believe it continually happens each day. That each day righteous people are delivered from a wicked world. By the hands of angels. I am fully convinced that God has angels on assignment. Meeting every person in their moment of stepping out of this wicked world, going to a safe place prior to God judging this world. I have often prayed, oh God, Lord, I hope you don't judge this world, Lord. You know, uh, how about for the sake of 50 righteous? How about for the sake of 10? How about for the sake of, you know? But I know what 
God is doing. He's placing on my heart the same thing that was on Abraham's heart. Oh God, I, I don't want to see lives destroyed, people destroyed. And so overlaying our lives on this, we can well imagine that not only did Abraham have a covenant with God, but Jesus also has a covenant with God. Like Abraham interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah, Jesus is interceding for this world. Abraham's covenant with God was based upon the blood of bulls and goats. The covenant that Jesus has is based upon the blood that he shed on the cross of Calvary. And here Jesus is offering to us, you know, we're his relatives, as Lot was to Abraham. Here Jesus is offering you and offering me some foreknowledge. The knowledge that one day he is going to destroy this world. One day this world will melt with a fervent heat. One day this world will be judged. That's, that's what we read in the Bible. If, if, we, if we at all believe the Bible... If we at all are convinced that his word is truth, then we must realize that judgment day is coming. But we have been given the most marvelous opportunity. We have been given an incredible opportunity. Like Lot was given. Lot was given this opportunity to go and tell others that they too could be saved. I guess by now you see where I'm going with this. And a part of this is prayer. That's what Abraham was doing when he was talking to the Lord. Abraham was praying. He was communicating to God. He was, he was saying to the Lord, Lord, would you do this for them? Would you do this for them? Would you do this for them? You see, I'm convinced Abraham was only praying for the things that God wanted to do anyway. I don't know why there is such power in prayer. I don't understand it. You know, it looks to me like God could just do what he wanted without me. But that's not what he's decided. It looks to me like Jesus would not have needed to pray. And it certainly looks to me like Jesus would not have had to have asked his disciples, pray for me. My soul is exceedingly sorry. Pray for me. I am in great turmoil. Pray for me. I need to make a decision. Pray for me. That's all the things that Jesus said. Jesus said, I need your prayer. Pray for me. I need to make a decision. Is this the will of God for my life or is this not the will of God? Pray for me. He asked for the prayers of his, of, of, of his friends three times. How much more do our friends need prayer? 
How much more do we need the prayer of our friends? This morning, as I close, the reality is, is that the judge of the earth will not do wickedness. He will save the righteous. Now, allow me to define who the righteous are. It's very simple. It's not based on what you do or don't do. He's not talking about the self-righteous. He's not talking about the righteousness of man. God is plainly talking about the righteousness which comes through Christ Jesus. In 2 Corinthians in chapter 5 and verse 21, the Bible tells us that he, Jesus, he who knew no sin, he became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Salvation makes us righteous. It's nothing we can do. It's nothing, it's, it's not of works. It's by the grace of God. And it's that grace that makes us right with God. We should do right things because we are saved. We don't do right things trying to get saved. But once you are saved, just like Lot in Sodom, he stuck out like a sore thumb in Sodom. Everybody knew Lot in Sodom because he would not do what everybody else was doing. He wouldn't put anything else in front of God. Not because he was trying to impress God, but because God had impressed him. Has God impressed you? I'll ask you a question today because I have time. I've been given time and opportunity. You see, I've been told that, that God's going to destroy the earth. You know, Whew. and I know he will not destroy the righteous with the wicked. So some of you wicked, you should get saved right now. <laughs> it's not the sin you do that, that, that would condemn you to hell. It's the sinner you are. But once you are saved, you know, and, and, and it doesn't mean you'll never sin again, but it does mean that sin will not have dominion over you. There will be no governing power of sin in your life. The power of sin is destroyed. The presence of sin you still deal with. But the power of sin is destroyed. Today you can do that. Whether you're here on campus or you're watching online, you can get right with God today. And let me tell you the benefits. The benefits is a peace. Oh, it's a peace that passes all understanding. You'll find joy returning. You'll find you know, patience growing in your life. You'll find hope. 
all of a sudden you'll, you'll, you know, you'll start seeing light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, it may not happen in a moment. It may not happen, you know, in a day. You know, but it will happen. But the greatest thing is that there is a safe place for you to where you will never experience the destruction that will come upon this world. God wants to save you. He's only asking me to pray for you because that's what he wants to do anyway. So would you allow me to pray for you right now? Just bow your head and close your eyes and, and just, uh, you know, talk to God about what I'm about to say. God, Lord, I'm going to take this opportunity, Lord, that you've given me because I know that you're only encouraging me to pray for the things that you want to do anyway. Lord, so with my opportunity, Lord, I want to encourage other people to have a relationship with you, a personal relationship, not through an organization, not through parents, not through grandparents, but a personal relationship with you to simply say, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord, be my Savior. If you can help me, help me. Lord, if this is you, Jesus, save my soul. Forgive my sins. Help me with the trouble that's in my life. Lord, give me peace. Give me some happiness, Lord, some joy. Help me with hope. Lord, I pray that people, Lord, hearing me would do just that thing. Lord, I ask you, Lord, to save their souls, God. Lord, to help, Lord, restore their minds so that they're not filled with worry and fear and doubt and hurt and pain and that the disappointments of this life don't confuse them and don't press them, Lord, so much like Lot in the midst of Sodom and Gomorrah, living in, in the midst of all of that injustice and all of the things that he could not even describe, Lord. Lord, he was oppressed. Lord, he was confused. He was worried. God, help us, Lord. We're living in the midst of a crooked world. We're living in the midst of a harsh world with disappointments, with fear, with worry, with hurt, with pain, with regret. Oh, God, how can we bear this? It presses upon us, Lord. How can someone, Lord, rise above this trauma, this tragedy? It's by your Spirit, Lord. It's by Lord Jesus coming and living in their life and every day them deciding to not put anything else in front of you in their lives but to make you Lord the important one God today as you save as you heal as you help Lord I pray that you would restore hope and joy and peace Lord God save us sir save us in this world and one day save us from this world. 
Lord, we ask these things. I ask these things, Lord. What a privilege to have had this opportunity. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What a privilege. Amen. What a privilege. Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.